0: So there was a time when I couldn't constrain myself of anything at all regarding cravings. I would just completely give myself over to the craving and the desire of something and the lust for it and the feeling of giving myself over to it, to following the temptation, was always a mixed bag of goodies. It first came with a sense of liberty and release, almost like releasing um, responsi- responsibility. and And releasing that responsibility, I also released my dignity to a certain degree and in releasing my dignity I invited in shame and guilt and I kind of tricked myself to feeling bad after feeling really really good and then I had to convince myself again that I wasn't feeling bad for feeling really really good so I made like a mental loop and mental programs for why it was okay for me to do certain things that I knew that I shouldn't have done And it doesn't just pertain to um, one certain matter. Like lust and desire can come to many different areas in your life. It can relate to anything that be connected to satisfaction. And the more direct satisfaction it gets or it gives you, the better effect it gets. Um, The more addicted you come to be to it or or the chances that you become addicted to it is higher so step by step i've actually gotten not rid of it i wouldn't say because the desire and lust can still arise (laughs) and and the pleasure of it now is almost more witnessing it and allowing it to be there than just um you know, controlling it or releasing myself into it. So for example, hmm let's say what was the first thing? Well the first thing was definitely dairy products. Like everything that was dairy products and I've always been insensitive to milk so cow's milk and that we could like outrule but then cheese cheese is connected to pleasure right because it's uh it's it used to be a luxurious thing used to be something like it's it's in our DNA, especially in the western society it's programmed to be something um, like a delicacy i mean the french the italian uh, the the Danish cheeses are all like I mean even the German cheeses I wouldn't say they're specifically my taste but <laughs> some some consider the German cheeses delicacies as well. Anyway, cheeses are considered delicacies. Even um, you have goat cheese, you have. Um, Sheep cheese and and all sorts of different cheeses, right? Cheeses are considered delicacies. They are rare. They're unique. They are pleasurable. So to give up cheeses wasn't something that I gave up. I rather invested in myself until my body could handle it. So the thing was that my body was for example, maybe craving cheese and then it wasn't really craving cheese. It was just craving um, to have a fulfilled pleasure, to have to be satis- satisfied, to have that urge, that need, that, yeah, that need for gratification satisfied. And, and cheese would compensate to a certain degree, cheese would compensate, and I wasn't aware of it, I mean, to some degree, we're always aware of, of it, but I wasn't aware of it then, so I rule out cheese because, you know, like, I, I was pretty much intolerant of <laughs> dairy products, and then, you know, later on, I would learn more about my body and I could incorporate certain cheeses at certain times, but I normally don't purchase any cheese. I do love cheese, though. Enough talk about cheese. Let's go to another one. Let's say tobacco. No, actually, let's say wine and whiskey first and beer. Oh, my God. I used to like... Because these are things that we treat ourselves with. They're considered luxury, right? A fine glass of wine, a whole bottle of wine, <laughs> four cans of beer, a really nice whiskey, like, these things are, they they are labeled to be something special, and, and therefore more rare, and unique, and therefore more satisfactory, and they give us even more pleasure, especially if we know that it's something, like, rich that it's connected to some kind of richness for example let's go back to cheeses if you buy a regular cheese in the market cheap cheese i don't know what you have in the states or um, in the uk but in sweden we are good with cheeses (laughs) we're cheesy people we're the cheesy people no let's scratch that but anyway (laughs) we're good with cheeses we have good cheeses we have like good Cheeses, we have hard cheeses and we have some soft cheeses, but they're usually good. But then we have the cheap, like very non-expensive cheeses, like the bargain cheese, the cheeses you buy if you have a large family. For example, the cheeses that I wouldn't say my family always bought, but some rare occasions they did buy it. And it's like, it's even called the householding cheese, which means that the cheese... That you buy for a whole family. So you basically pay very little for huge amounts of cheese. And it tastes like nothing. Like my brothers, they loved it when my parents bought it. They would like stack cheese upon cheese upon cheese and like microwave the shit out of it. it. Then we get like cheesy sandwiches. (laughs) But I just, it just was, it didn't taste anything. To me, it didn't taste anything. And it's almost like when you buy a cheap bottle of wine, you know. Some rare occasions, there are really good wines that doesn't cost that much. But there are a lot of wines that are just produced to be... uh, Well, they're not produced with high quality, let's just say that. And it's not always in the price tag, but they're just not high quality. So usually a high quality wine or high quality cheese, they... They expand your mind on what your own value is. They, they give you that sense of richness. And let's go further. Tobacco, for example, for me that was, well, I use I use tobacco. So I used to, I don't use it anymore. Well, I do use it sometimes, but I don't smoke tobacco anymore. Uh, So I used to smoke regular cigarettes, right? And the way that it all started, I never smoked when I was a kid. I never smoked when I was a teenager. Even as a young adult, I wouldn't even touch a cigarette. Like to me, it was just uh, filthy. It was nasty. And then I came into this period of really deep anger and sorrow and depression, which was actually a highly creative period. And I was creating a lot of really interesting art and music and all forms of stuff. It was an interesting part of my life. Anyway, I was I was sitting one day in this little loft I had, this little tiny, tiny, beautiful apartment. That wasn't really an apartment. It was more like a room. It was a studio. <laughs> and and I had this window that you could open almost all the way up. Like you slide it out, you slid it up. And then it would have a tiny spot on top of the roof, right? So you could like slide the door, not, sorry, it wasn't the door, slide the window open and you can like crawl upon it and you would sit on the rooftop. To me, that was pretty cool. And so I would sit up there and just like view the birds and I would have a glass of wine and then I would just. It was summertime. I remember this so much. It was summertime, it was nighttime. No, no, no. It was, it was actually... It was late afternoon. It was summertime. In Sweden, we have... Uh, in the summertime, we... we Like, the sun barely sets. So it's always, like... The sun is always almost up. Um, in South Sweden, it sets for some hours in the nighttime. Like, between, I would say, 3 o'clock a.m. And then it rises again at 5 o'clock a.m. So it's just a few hours. Um, but anyway... It was late afternoon and it was summertime and I had I had borrowed a movie. I I had borrowed a movie because it wasn't a rental movie. I had borrowed a movie at the library. The library was my like go-to and it was in Malma and I had just moved there from New York City. And so it was like this really chaotic, weird movement, and I was just like longing to be somewhere else and I was feeling very poetic and extravagant and angry and all of that. Anyway, I was sitting there, and I had borrowed a movie, and it was with... Oh, what's his name? Oh, I love this actor. What's his name? Uh, okay, John Malkovich. <laughs> yeah, so he's, like, one of my favorite actors, and... And it was this, I don't remember the movie's name, but it was in a desert, I think, northwestern Africa. And it was like this romantic, poetic, sad story about a couple who went out in the desert. And anyway, they were smoking a lot of cigarettes. And it was a very, it was a beautiful movie. And I was sitting there just like soaking in the movie. And I was just very affected by the movie. And they were smoking Marlboro's, right? And all of a sudden, it just hit me. I just had to buy a package of Marlboros. So Marlboros, like cigarettes, right? So I turned off the um, movie and I went down and, and I got a pack of cigarettes. And from there on, I started smoking cigarettes. It was a very weird start. But to me, it signified luxury. Like they were in the desert think they were like after having sex for something in the sunset in the desert and it was like very poetic artistic and like almost film noir and they were smoking cigarettes and I was just like whoa I have to indulge in that you know it's about it's about indulgement of, of value of something that was value and those Marlboro cigarettes that package that brand naming to me that symbolized then that kind of luxury it symbolized freedom artistry so I bought it and I started to smoke cigarettes and then eventually you know I I I always knew that it was bad for me but I refused to admit it and then eventually I realized that it was actually bad for me so I started to use regular tobacco that I roll up in cigarettes and I became really good at just rolling up cigarettes like with one hand and everything and to me that was quality to me that was that was luxury to like give myself something to because I just felt like I deserved it. I would give it to myself because I felt like I deserved it. But really it came from a need to satisfy a need, to satisfy a hunger, an oral hunger. But the oralness, the oral, same with the food and the wine and everything, it's not really connected to the oral. It's connected to sensual pleasure, uh, which is connected to the sacral chakra. Right, so we're getting there, <laughs> we're getting there, right? Anyway, um, and, and from there also I want to say, just get to the point right away, that the origin of addiction stems from the sacral chakra. It doesn't stem from the root. Uh, the root chakra, it if you have an imbalanced root chakra, if you have a hole in the vortex of your root chakra, uh, you do other kind of stuff, Right. But addiction is not involved in that to that kind of degree. Agree? (laughs) Agree to? Disagree to a degree? No, but... uh, Pleasure is connected to the sacral chakra. To Venus, Aphrodite, the womb, right? And so, uh, what happened? Oh, well... I realized I, also after a while, it was still wasn't good enough because it was still hurting my body. So I couldn't convince, my mind couldn't convince myself anymore that I was giving myself some form of luxury. Even though I was labeling that with like, oh, I'm having a break or I'm meditating, like smoking the cigarettes, right? I'm having a break, I'm meditating, all of those things. They were just reasons for why I would give myself this Um pleasure why I would indulge in something that I knew I shouldn't have had but I did it anyway and that kind of felt good too because you feel like mischievous right you're going against what people say is right and wrong you're like that's a teenage rebel right like I'm more gonna stretch the boundaries as far as I can because I'm worth it right the the L'Oreal uh, advertisement oh because you're worth it like give yourself a new mascara because you're worth it I mean hell yeah you're worth more than a mascara <laughs> you don't have to motivate it with a mascara right anyway let's let's get to the point um or let's not. Uh let's continue. So what else? Okay, so then I stopped smoking cigarettes and um I I realized that I had to stop smoking. So I stopped smoking for a while and I couldn't stop indulging in food then. Like I started with cheese again, right? Cheese, right? But because um it was luxury, right? I had to give myself some really good luxury some really high quality products. So I bought really expensive goats' cheese and honey and walnuts and I did all of those things that like signify luxury and to to my mind, to my programming, right? And I would completely indulge in it and I would feel like I would give myself a love. But I would just substitute a need, right? I would substitute an urge. And and it's not bad. It's not wrong. It's just... It's a behavioral pattern. And for that time being, I was witnessing the experience of indulgement. Indulging in something. And it was a really, really pleasurable experience, of course. Uh, and it made me grow in the long run. Absolutely. Was I addicted to ghost cheese and and, to walnuts and to honey? No. But was I addicted to pleasuring myself? Definitely so. Um, why wasn't I? Why was I? Because I had denied myself luxury before. But it wasn't luxury, and it wasn't pleasure in that degree. It's not about, it's really not about the products. It's about the feeling. And the feeling stems from value, of worthiness, a feeling that you're worthy of something. And again, worthiness comes from the sacral region, the sacral chakra. And feeling that you're not worthy of something and realizing that, realizing that you are... That's when you want to start. Give give yourself two things and, and give... Well, no. First, maybe you start giving yourself two things. But then you start to give things to yourself. And eventually, you're, you'll stop uh, including things. And you'll just start giving yourself permission to feel what it is that your body wants to feel. And you start discovering where it stems from. What is that need? What is that desire and that hunger? What is it indeed calling out for? And then you can check with yourself. Like for example, um, chocolate. I love chocolate, right? I love chocolate. And, And to this day, I still do like, I could do like two or three cups of hot chocolate a day. And it's cacao. It's not like, you know, it, it doesn't include sugar and stuff. It doesn't even include honey. It's just I do cacao. And then I do um, I do like uh, some superfoods sometimes. Like ashwagandha, tulsi. I mix in like reishi. Or sometimes I just mix in a lot of ginger and chili or cayenne. And I mix in cinnamon. And I mix in... Uh, cardamom I love cardamom and all of that stuff and then I mix in like some kind of um, like oat milk or almond milk and if I want to go like all in I would just like I will just do a lot of coconut cream and then I put in hot water and it's just so good it's delicious and it's heartwarming and it's heart opening to me the rich experiencing rich experience in this is not the actual chocolate itself, that's a part of it. The rich experience is to feel the warmth and the heat from allowing myself to have that experience. But I gotta know where it comes from. Does it come from a need? Or does it come from a desire that rises from a need? Does it come from an urge that rises from a need? Does it come from a will that rises from a need? Or does it simply come because you just want to? Like it's not about I need this or I gotta have it or if I don't get it, I'm gonna do this and this and this. If I don't get it, I'm not gonna be normal again or ever good. If you ever find yourself in a relationship with a thing, a product, a circumstance that involves a behavior that you feel like you need something to satisfy that hunger, truly need it, otherwise you will not uh, you will not be able to handle yourself or deal with things or deal with the circumstance or or just be normal or whatever whatever the reason is if you feel like you really need something and it's not wrong to need but if you use if you use a circumstance same circumstance or if you use the same thing or the same product like let's say cigarettes or chocolate or let's say alcohol or whatever right sugar sex if you use that over and over again to satisfy the same hunger, then you're, of course, you're addicted. You're not having a relationship to that thing or that behavior. You're having, well, you're, you're having a relationship to an addiction. It's an addiction. And the addiction is filling a hole of, uh, of, of worthiness where you feel unworthy. You need to satisfy and give yourself gratification and confirmation where you otherwise wouldn't feel that, where you otherwise wouldn't feel satisfied with yourself. You wouldn't be able to feel gratification for that which you are. You wouldn't be able to feel worthy of who you are, what you are, Unless you give yourself permission to, to do or take or consume a certain thing, right? That's addiction, right? Shit, I'm really tired. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, It's like late night here. It's really late night. Um, and I haven't slept at all the last three nights or so. And the power, the power within this the power comes not from um, suppressing or, or not allowing or disconnecting from the thing that you are addicted to or having an addictive relationship to the power does not come from that for example if you're having an addictive relationship a codependent relationship with something with someone let's say a lover you're having a codependent relationship with a lover which i've had several times a lot of times yeah it doesn't matter it's not about the person right you can shut that person off it's funny, I actually spoke to a friend today or, or um, a, a contact today and and she said the same thing and 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 the conclusion I had before even writing to her was like, yeah, either way, as soon as you internalize something, as soon as you go internal, it doesn't matter if you block a person or or a thing as soon as you go internal with it, you take it with you inside and you realize and you witness that's the power, that's the power, that's the gratification, that's the true power, that's the essence of it, to me at least, um, when you start to externalize it, um, it kind of, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything, it doesn't give away your power, it doesn't give you power, it doesn't give power to anything except the fact that you are postponing, uh, The witnessing that has to be done. Like the realness of it. The talk you gotta have with yourself about this behavior. And it's not like you have to point finger at yourself. And you're like, oh, you've been such a naughty little lady now. Chewing on that chocolate. You should put it down immediately. Naughty, naughty you. You will never again have chocolate in your entire life. No, it's not about that. Some instances, it can actually be to indulge even further. But, you know... Don't listen to me. I have Venus cusping between Scorpio and Sagittarius. So I know all about indulgements. (laughs) Woo! But um, yeah, Uh, let's... let's (laughs) Anyone that has Venus in Scorpio or Sagittarius knows exactly what I'm talking about. And oh, if you have Mars in Scorpio or Sagittarius, you probably also know what I'm talking about. And oh, if you have Moon in Scorpio... Or Sagittarius or cusping, you probably also know what I'm talking about. So even sun, sun signs. But but let's just say Venus for now, yeah? Um so the power lies actually in when you bring it back to yourself and you check in with yourself. You go like, ooh, ah, my body really feels like it needs well uh, let's say a, a warm a warm glass of, of <laughs> cognac let's just say that or um a, a hot piece of ass or um uh, a new car or uh, a really really nice handbag or um a cigarette like it can be that easy right you check in with yourself and the body says it needs that or the body mind says that it needs that and then you go like do i really want that do i really want that like is that desire stemming from a true a trueness a truthfulness within yourself like a truthful desire a truthful desire of of you, of who you are, of your, like, does it come up to your solar plexus? Does it enter into your heart? Does it liberate you or does it captivate you? That's the real question. That's the essence of the whole industry, (laughs) the industry of addiction. And, you know, that's a pretty big industry. It's marketed everywhere and with everything. It's called consumption. And we're in it right now. The industry of industrialization of consumption. It's everywhere and everything. We create needs out of nothing. And then out of that need is created another need and another need and another need. And they're all just fake needs. They're not real needs. It's just mental or like physically mental constructions. To give us instant gratifications, like little babies getting a pacifier. And it's really good to get a pacifier, right? When you're really, really not feeling good about yourself. You're like laying there like like a little little toddler and you're in your crib and nobody's picking you up. And nobody's giving you the breast. And nobody's feeding you. And nobody's singing to you. And you're laying there screaming. And you get something in your mouth, and the only reflex that you have is to suck it. That's the only thing you know with stuff that are put into your mouth if you're a tiny baby, right? Let's go back to that. Yeah, you know where I'm taking you right now, right? I'm taking, I'm taking us all back into the the childhood, right? The infanthood or whatever it's called. Like the only reflex an infant has is to actually suck it sucks the thumb, it sucks all things, right, before the baby gets teeth, it sucks that too, and then it starts to bite eventually, right, but in the beginning it sucks everything, even if you start to give it food at four months, it sucks that too, that's why we create like uh, mushy stuff, right, because the baby doesn't know how to chew, it doesn't have that um, cognitive training within the body-mind yet, so it sucks, so you're laying there screaming, and you're screaming because you're not, uh, like some, some need, some really, really basic need. For example, uh, attention, um, compassion, um, intimacy, food, like real food um sleep like when you're not getting these basic stuff you're not getting intimacy you're not getting compassion you're not getting attention you're not getting food or sleep etc these basic needs that are primal needs for the body for the body mind for for the body before the body becomes the body mind right those basic needs when they're not met with what they are actually needing when they're met with something else, it creates a new need. It's instant gratification, but it creates a new need. It's not a long lasting gratification it's not it's not a long lasting merch or encounter or experience even it's like. You know, it's like, oh, wait, I, I, let's see, it's like getting a, a cheap piece of chocolate, like um, uh, a, a really sugary milk chocolate or a really dark, um, like above 70% cacao, high quality premium brand chocolate. It's a different experience. So I started to do that, right? I started to give myself a lot of high-quality products instead of low-quality products. So I would take away the instant gratification. And it worked. It actually worked. It, it does work. You can try it with anything. With anything. Like, even with sex. Like, I love sex. Like, who doesn't, right? <laughs> who doesn't love sex? Um, and, and I used to crave really like body parts against body parts like really physical sex i used to crave that so much and then i started to go into periods where i would have long periods of seclusion like where i wouldn't have any contact with any phys- physical contact with any men or women uh, just by myself right and i would i would satisfy my own needs let's just say that right but then Um, I realized that the meeting doesn't have to be physical. The meeting can happen on a high quality if we bring it up to something that is actually expanding the heart and enhancing the solar plexus instead of dampening the wet waters of the sacral area. Because the sacral area, the sacral chakra, is an ever-overflowing cup, right? If you're a man and you ejaculate, there will be new sperm produced. If you're a woman and you menstruate, there will be new blood produced. There is always going to be liquid. It's always going to be water. That area, the chakra, is the significator of water, the water element of creation. Because what is water? Water fertilizes water fertilizes everything without water there will be a drought there will be no life no matter how much sunshine how ma- no matter no matter how much light you put on uh, a rich soil if it doesn't get water there will be no growth but then there can be too much water and that's where you get muddy waters that's where you get really stagnant waters and if you keep on gifting that area with instant gratification, it it won't rise to its potential. Like, it won't rise to a potential of creation, of creating life. And it doesn't mean that you have to create life as in creating babies or, or even on a physical sexual plane. It means that if you give yourself permission to enjoy something that is heart-expanding, and solar plexus, like self-enhancing, instead of, um, well, instant gratification, what it does is that it actually um, enhances shame, shame, shame and guilt. It's like guilt-tripping. To eat a lot of sugar is guilt-tripping. To drink a lot of alcohol is guilt-tripping. To smoke a lot of nicotine is guilt-tripping. To use any form of addiction-based drugs, including caffeine, is guilt-tripping. Like, it's the behavior, it's guilt-tripping itself. Because it doesn't stem from a place that that is self-enhancing or heart-opening. So it's just basically, it's you telling yourself that you're not worthy something, so you have to give it to yourself from an external point of view. But you can compromise with yourself, right? You can say, I know that I am worthy of more than this. And therefore, I want to give myself more. And so my point is... I'm getting super tired here. (laughs) My point is that to, to really savor the moment. For example... If I really, like lately I've been craving intimacy, like really craving intimacy, craving to cuddle, to kiss, to hold, to feel, to touch. And I have kids, so I can do that to a certain degree, but I don't want to use them. Like I don't want to use them. I can't use them. That would be the same thing. That would be codependent parenting. I don't want to do that, right? So I can't walk around cuddling my kids all the time. I can kiss them as much as they want. I can hug them as much as they want. Not just not as much as I crave them to do, right? Uh, so now that I'm the days that I'm by myself, even more so I recognize the need, the actual basic need and the desire and the want and the wish to be intimate. But then to be intimate with myself is to be present in that moment with myself and to really cherish myself in that feeling and allow myself to feel that without judgment and holding myself in that and really appreciating that and then checking in with myself. Do I really want a, another person's body on my body right now? And the answer right now at least was no, like I'm really good with not having that actually, because it doesn't serve the self-enhancing purpose and it doesn't serve the heart opening purpose. And and when it does, I will know, right? The same with tobacco, actually, quit. I quit um, smoking I because I, I went over from cigarettes to rolling cigarettes to smoking pipes. Or cigars, and then I wouldn't smoke as often either. I wouldn't use the addictive behavior to gratify my needs as instant as before, and it would be more meditative. I would actually take my word upon it and just say, like, let's let's do let's do medication as meditation, right? And I would sit for hours outside and smoke my pipe and write, and it would be a meditation, or not write just sit still and just be with, with what was, and it would became a, it would, it, it became a moment to just sit and smoke, and it wasn't about the smoking, it was just more about sitting, right, uh, but it was still some form of addiction, even when I felt like it wasn't, it was still satisfying some forms of need, and I mean, I still have these things, like, I'm not li- liberated completely, I wouldn't say that, I mean, I'm human, you know, and I've I've gone through trauma, and I've gone through all of these human experiences that cause us to, to feel really, really wounded, and so I've done my healing process to the extent that I felt like I didn't really need tobacco anymore, and so I've several times I've done that, but I've gone back to it. But then it came to a point when it was just not resonant anymore. It was just not, I was checking in with myself and I was like, no, it just doesn't feel right. I don't, I don't really want this. I don't want it. I don't want to sit and smoke this tobacco. It just, it's not good anymore. It's not satisfying. And I actually tried several times. I tried smoking cigarettes. It was just like, no, this is, disgusting i tried rolling up really nice high quality tobacco like uh, what is it called um i can't uh, i can't even remember american spirit american spirit yeah it was rolling up that is not that high quality but it's like non-toxic quality at least they say um and it was just like ah, yeah I mean I can I can deal with this but it's not anything I really want. No, it's not, right? And so I stopped doing that. I stopped doing I, I even stopped buying the really expensive brands of tobacco, like pipe tobacco. I stopped buying that and it was just like, "No, I don't want this. I don't I don't want it, so I'm not going to do it because it wouldn't be right." It would not serve my self-enhancement. It wouldn't serve my heart expansion to do, to do that anymore. So I stopped. But I didn't deny myself doing it. I didn't say, you cannot do that because then you are wrong. No, I was just checking in with myself. Checking in if it was right or not. And as long as it felt right, I did it. And then when I felt wrong, I stopped. It sounds easy. And it was a easy. It was easy. But it wasn't easy up until I realized how easy it was, right? It was hard. It was hard work to witness myself in this process of allowing myself. To witness myself in the process of, of being addicted to something. To satisfying a need. It's hard work to witness yourself in that. Like everybody does that. And it's the work that you got to do, right? You got to do that. It's part of the experience. It's part of the human experience. The human experiment to be here. to, to, To enjoy this beauty. Even in the pain, right? That's a luxury. That's richness. Yes, it's... It's very self-destructive sometimes. <laughs> but you know what? That's what makes us human too, right? We fall into really deep holes and then we make our way out of it. And, and sometimes, you know, we get stuck in loops and we dig holes and we fall into our own holes, pits or whatever it's called. And then we get up and we dig new ones and we like, you know, that's that's not even self-destructive. That's just uh, sad. And so that's when we actually do need help. That's that's when you pick up the phone and you call a friend or you call a professional and you say, hey, I need help. If you recognize that pattern in whatever you're doing, if it is so relating to people, to lovers, to food, to any sort of Consumerism or destruction. If you're not able to get yourself out of that hole, if you're not trusting yourself, that eventually you will stop that behavior. If you don't trust yourself, you cannot allow yourself to do that. You cannot witness. If you're having doubts and you're second guessing your ability to eventually quit then I wouldn't say indulge in it. I wouldn't say indulge. I would say go ahead and call somebody and ask for help. Because it's not a rich experience to sit and, and, and witness yourself uh, really getting destroyed. It's not. And most of the times then we're not able to witness truly. We're just thinking that we're witnessing something, but we're really just telling ourselves a story. And, and if we're not able to see past that story then we're not able to help ourselves. We're not we're not able to evolve. right We're stuck in the muddy waters. Stuck in the muddy waters. oh we're stuck in the muddy waters. We're stuck in the muddy waters. Yeah. So what was it saying? Um, Exactly, so when you get yourself to the point when it's not resonant, when it doesn't feel right, when you don't want to anymore, then you know that you have taken a really big step with yourself, hand in hand with yourself, and held yourself through that process, and you can be proud of yourself, because you've gone through an evolutionary process where you actually enhanced yourself and you expanded yourself further. Even if the process first and foremost was disruptive, disruptive and sometimes dismissive or even abusive, I wouldn't say it's good to go ahead and abuse yourself. It's not. Like I said, if if you're not able to trust yourself in that, You shouldn't do it. Again, I have Venus close to Scorpio. What can I say? So the point is that it's it's beautiful to be able to see yourself grow. To realize that that need still exists, but see even more where it comes from. And to reach gratification and satisfaction with just simply being with it. That to me is high value. That to me is quality. That to me is feeling rich. Then you can feel rich. You feel rich about yourself. You feel good about yourself. And you have gone from the muddy waters into clearer waters crystallized waters, clearer sun, more growth, hard expansion. The tree, the tree begins as a little seed and the seed is sown in the earth of our roots and then comes the water in and if it's too much water, nothing will grow, everything will mold, it will be moldy, it will die again. It's too little water waters, nothing will grow, it will be a drought. So it has to be a perfect amount of water for you, for your seed, for your root to grow up from your root to your sequel, to the waters. And then comes the potential of that seed of life, the creation, the effect of creation. Light enters, light enters, and it becomes embodied and it becomes something more than just just water and a seed it becomes a sprout and it grows up into a plant a stem but it cannot really reach the branches and expand into a greatness of a tree because as the expansion happens upwards it also happens downwards the more we grow up in our crown up in our heart and our crown and expand the more we have to expand our roots and set firm ground right so the more stable we can be and anchored we can be when the waters and winds comes in when the when the when the light comes in because there will be times when there will be a lot of muddy waters and there will be times when there will be a lot of droughts too But as long as you are growing your tree and nurturing your tree, you will last forever. You will always be rich. You will be able to heal any cuts that you might inflict upon yourself when you fall into the pits that you dig. And you won't fall in there. Eventually, if you just trust yourself, if you don't judge yourself, it won't even feel like falling. The stumble itself will be the evolving of you. Yeah, now I'm ready to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Because the human experience is very... Physical, too. It's very physical. And if we're connected to the heart, to the solar and to the heart, it becomes so rich. Everything. And the physical sensations, they become so rich. So, so rich. Anything. Even, even like the psychedelic experience of life becomes enhanced the more anchored you are within yourself. Sometimes less is more, sometimes less is more.